what an amazing time of just being in God's presence so far today. I can't tell you how I love just being in his presence. You know, that kind of that face-to-face with the Lord. There's just something about it that is so transformational. And I want to echo once more, welcome and uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. Whatever kind of mom you are, you could be a stepmom, a, a spiritual mom, a grandmom, whatever you are, and even just someone who nourishes. We're, we're thankful that this day is called Mother's Day, but I really feel like it should ha- have that greater um, symbolic uh, honoring of women in general. Because wherever you are, ladies, whatever you do, I'm sure you are nurturing and nourishing someone. So we honor you today. God bless you. Well, we have been in a series and just a mini series, very short. We started last week with the, the, the sermon that was titled Planted. And today we're going to have the second part of the series and the final part of the series. I want to talk to you about fruitful. In other words, be fruitful. Let's pray. God, we're just so grateful for who you are, so thankful because in our lives you're doing things. You're, you're, you're bringing us to new places and you're giving us your strength so that when we arrive, there will be an impact and it will be all because of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. So come Open our eyes and our mind even more that we might see Jesus. Amen? Amen. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be as we talk about what it means to be fruitful. Be fruitful. Come on, let's read this together. John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Jesus speaking, he says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, this is not a Mother's Day message um, directly, but in Jesus speaking to his disciples, I think that mothers and all of us can begin to understand and also just glean from this conversation that he's having with his disciples. I want you to get the picture. Not only is he giving this motif about 
the life uh, that we have in Jesus Christ, the life that God gives us, a motif, a guarding motif, which we see from Genesis really to Revelation. We see God using this understanding of vines and branches and gardens and, and trees and all kinds of things throughout the scripture to be a message to us about what it means to be fruitful, to be sustained, to be engaged with him. But what's going on behind the scenes is this. Jesus is meeting with his closest friends, with his disciples is what the scripture calls them. And in this meeting, it's the Thursday before the Friday of his crucifixion. In other words, he's 24 hours from departure. After 33 years of walking on the earth and anticipating this momentous day that is 24 hours away, he's having a conversation with his boys. And so the talk about vines and branches, it might sound cute, but trust me, this was a serious conversation. And they weren't sitting around a board table. It wasn't about organization as he was meeting with them. This conversation, which is known as part of the upper room discourse, discourse. so they were, they were probably not at a board table, not in a boardroom, but in a dining room. It was probably not about organization. It was more about impartation. Because Friday was coming, but then Sunday was coming as well. And with this conversation and the impartation, these, these men, his followers, would begin to, ch to turn the world upside down, to change the world with the gospel. And so that's the backstory. And so if this is about impartation, and he's using this picture of vines and branches and trees, then there's something that is going to happen in the impartation. And he wants them to remember this. Word pictures, wow, we can remember them, right? The first thing I believe Jesus wants them to remember as they head out into the world is this. The vine must supply. The vine must supply. See, because Jesus identifying himself as the vine, as the source of life, He's actually saying that in order for them to have the power that they need to go into Thursday or Friday and then into Sunday, they have to remember the vine is their supplier. See, he never intended for anything else to be their supply. And I, can I talk to you? He never intended for anything else to be your supply. And neither did he intend for you to be someone else's supply. It's the vine that is the supplier. So here's the picture. God, we see in this, in this passage, is the gardener. He's the one that tends and oversees the garden. He's the one that makes sure each plant is where it should be, that each um, uh, tree is where it should be, that the, the plants are watered, and he does that in our lives as well. God is the gardener. He oversees, he tends to the garden. And then Jesus is the vine. As the vine, 
He is, as I said, the source of the nourishment of the branches. The branches come off the life of the vine and they carry the life of the vine. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have God the Father, God the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the branches receive the life of the vine. And so sometimes, though, we think that our spouse is, our, is supposed to be our vine. Sometimes, you know, we get a, we get a little, little turned, out, turned around. Sometimes we think our children, moms, are supposed to be our vine. They're supposed to be the nourishment, the sense of security. Vines connect you to God and to the branch. And so we have to begin to, I think, make a shift. Even as the apostles were going into Thursday, tomorrow you're going into something. Monday, you're going back into something. Tuesday, you're going back into something. And when we make the decision that the vine must be my supply, that begins to give us the sense of direction for fruitfulness. So, okay, so what is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is this. It's the lives that you touch. It's the influence that you have. It's the the outward evidence of the inward change that has taken place in your life. Jesus calls this fruitfulness. We call it productiveness. Jesus calls it fruitfulness. We call it making something happen. See, when we think about Jesus's perspective on that day, he wasn't thinking about Fruitfulness as being the increase of a personal life. He was thinking about fruitfulness as the lives that you touch, the influence that you have, the outward evidence of the inward change that he makes in a life. Because after Sunday, the lives that the apostles would touch, the influence that they would have, and the evidence that Christ was alive would be the test of their discipleship. I love what Jeremiah 17 says as we think about what it means to have Jesus as our source and that from that source, the fruitfulness begins to take place in our lives. He says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In other words, Jeremiah is giving us just this, this confirmation that to decide to make a decision that Jesus the vine is going to be my source, from there comes trust. From there comes confidence. Even when the heat comes, even when there's challenge. See, let me ask you a question. Who's your source? 
What source are you drawing from? You know, sometimes we're drawing from our our job. We, We believe that it's position and power and presence and prestige that is the source that we need. And some of us are in real difficult, challenging places right now. And the very thing, the very person, the very entity that you thought was your source is no longer there. Can I present you with Jesus today? Can I ask you to make him your source? So what do you do about this? Choose your source. You know, I don't pay the electric company for my oil to heat my home. I don't go to ShopRite if I'm going to buy a car. No, I go to the the right source. See, because there are different kinds of branches. Jesus talks about two kinds of branches here. And the branch that withers and dies and then is discarded because there's no use for it is typically the branch or the life of a person who is not connected to the vine. And so... When you go to your source, you're going to get what your source offers. And when we go to Jesus as our source, we get what Jesus offers. We get the ability to have a life that is impactful, to have influence that is broad, and to walk out in fruitfulness and authenticity this life change. So after we have made the decision, talking about fruitfulness, productivity, after we've made the decision that Jesus is our source, the second thing we can do is this. We can make the decision that the branch must remain. The branch must remain. Who's the branch? You are the branch. You are the one from which which the fruit that others will eat, who are influenced, who are impacted, who see your life. You are the one who will, who will be that display of the fruitfulness and of the presence and the power of God. And so you must remain. To remain means this. It means a lot of things, but the way Jesus was using it here, let's look at it in verse 4. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you, because no branch can bear fruit, what? By itself. It must remain. I know that's a strong word, and we don't like that word. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, y'all. But must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit. Wow. Are you seeing this? You cannot have fruitfulness, productivity, unless you remain in me. Eleven times in this passage, Jesus brings this truth. He's driving it home. And so the words must remain, they're not, they're not my words. Don't get mad at me. They, they, are, they are God's uh, invitation to us. See, because remain speaks of stability. Remain speaks of constancy. We're going to talk about that in a second. But Remain also speaks of intimacy. When Jesus was talking around this table, again, it wasn't like him giving marching orders. It was him giving an impartation. 
And the word here has an essence, a feel of intimacy and relationship. So Jesus is saying, come on, you guys, remain in me. I may not physically be here in just three days, but remain in the words that I have spoken to you. He mentions mentions that. Remain in all that I have told you. Remain in my life. Wow. Because we cannot bear fruit apart from him. And so it's his responsibility to be our source. It's our responsibility to what? To remain. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, you can't avoid Jesus all week and then show up on Sunday mornings and expect growth. Because we only produce, and this is what I'm believing, we only produce when we are consistently. So here's the thing. When Jesus is more consistently your supply, there will be more consistency in your fruitfulness. Come on. When Jesus is more consistently your supply, there will be more consistency in your life, in your, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances. Because anything that anchors anyone, that anchors itself and remains in intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as their vine grows and and becomes stable you know i think sometimes we think that the roller coaster rise that we are on in life whether it's emotional psychological and i understand there are clinical things that we we have to do to maintain uh, a certain balance in our lives there are practical things that we have to do i'm not negating that but what i am saying sometimes we we downplay the power of remaining in Jesus, constancy in Jesus, that it will bring consistency in our lives. I love what um, Francis Chan, um, missionary, preacher, pastor, has said about this passage. He said, just stay, just stay connected. <laughs> he said, just stay connected. That's what Jesus is saying. He's just saying, after you have identified Jesus Christ as your source, and we all need to do that. I don't care how old you are in the Lord. I don't care how long you, with you've been walking. There are seasons where you have to re-cement that he is your source. And seasons where there, there, there has to be this, this definite decision in your mind that I'm going to remain. I'm going to be sta- stable. I'm going to stay constant. And so the ups and downs are a part of life, but we have this anchor in Christ Jesus, right? So what are some of the outward signs, though, that we are really remaining? How do we know? What does that mean? What does it look like on a, on a, on a ground-level basis? Here's what it looks like. I think there are at least three or four markers of someone who is remaining, The first marker is this, in terms of consistency of fruit. First of all, there's going to be fruit on a consistent basis. Now, what I mean by that, in Galatians chapter 5, we know that it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the, the character traits of someone who is a Christ follower. There's going to be a consistency in that. 
because fruit always reflects the character of its tree. Apples come from apple trees. Peaches come from peach trees. And when there's consistency in the character of our lives, the character of our leadership, the character of our parenting, the character of our love with our friends, when there is consistency in that love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, that's a sign that you're remaining. That's a sign that you're remaining. When there's fruit in another area, such as um, we're winning others to Christ, our witness talked about that outward uh, evidence of inward change begins to change and impact other people's lives because fruit is to be eaten, right? Fruit is to be consumed. Fruit is to be enjoyed. I remember growing up, my mom, um, who was born in the South, transplanted up here uh, when she was just 20-something years old, and she brought some of the South with her. She, in our backyard, we didn't have a trampoline. We didn't have a swing set. We had fruits and vegetables, and soon as spring would break, she would begin planting those seeds. Watermelon, big, beautiful watermelon. Cucumbers, huge, wonderful red tomatoes. She would begin planting and she would go through the process. So I got to see the process of gardening firsthand. And there would come a time after the planting after the watering, after the navigating of weeds, she would pull that, that, those fruits and vegetables off of the vine and they would be brought to the table. And a life that remains, that has remained on the vine, is going to be a life that gets eaten, so to speak, that's going to, get, that's going to bring nourishment, that's going to bring change, that's going to bring strength. How many people have we strengthened this week? I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> How much time have we spent being fruit and fruitful in the lives that we touch, the influence that we have, and the manifestation of the outwardness of this change? And third, fruitfulness manifests itself in repentance. In the Gospel of Mark, it, it talks about how we should bring fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, that when repentance has taken place, whether it's repentance and coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or it's repentance in the sense of there's things that have gone on in our lives that are, that are, that are taking us away from God, then Mark talks about that is something that is fruit in our lives when we repent. It's beautiful. It's sweet. It's tasty. It's something that God enjoys. So how do you know you're remaining? You're bearing fruit. You're being fruit. And there's repentance in your life. So we know that in order to remain, we've got to have that source. There's going to be this consistency. In order to be fruitful, there's also going to be this, the gardener must prune. The gardener must prune. You know what, 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 what I've learned over the years is that sometimes when we, we, we read passages of Scripture, we actually read into them instead of reading what it says. The word prune here, it speaks of the gardener taking a heavy 
fruit, so to speak, that has weighed on the vine and is now on the ground and lifting it up. It speaks of the gardener lifting it up because of the weight that has pressed it down. And so, yes, gardeners prune in the sense they, they cut off leaves and branches that are, that are either uh, making the plant seem unbeautiful or unattractive, things in our lives, you know, sin, rebellion, things that God can clip from us because we can't cleanse ourselves. The scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So yeah, the, the gardener, God the gardener does that, but God the gardener will also lift us up from the weights of the things that have held us down. So how does that impact fruitfulness? It impacts fruitfulness like this. In order for us to have influence, to be able to uh, extend the kingdom of God and to be, um, you know, this outward expression of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the glory of God, sometimes we have to be lifted up. Sometimes we're so, we're so low that in order for us to bring more fruit, we have to be lifted from that place of lowness. And so... Understanding that in order for us to be fruitful, it's this. Here's what it comes down to. Pruning is not punishment. Even though it will at times feel like failure, it'll feel like you're a clump of grapes just sitting on the ground, not making any kind of progress, and that there must be something wrong with you. And there may be some areas of pruning even while you're down there that, the, that God absolutely wants to do because it's in the pruning that you will become more, more healthy. The, the dead branches, the, the attitudes, the, the uh, un, unknowing things that we may be doing, God will bring them to our attention as we're in that still place. But at the same time, pruning is not punishment, it's preparation. In this passage, it is actually preparation. Preparation for what? It's preparation for the next season of fruitfulness. Pruning typically takes place where it's just, there's just about to be a season of fruitfulness or you're in a dormant season, like in the winter. Some plants are best pruned in the winter. Some plants are best pruned in the spring. And so in preparation for the next season of fruitfulness, God the gardener allows pruning to take place in our lives. He allows things that we say, this is way too much. See, because typically when a plant is pruned, it looks terrible. I know at our house, David and I, listen, I can't touch a plant because I will kill it. I do not have a green thumb. And so he loves plants. There's something that happens to him when he's in that mode of planting and, and nurturing things around our home. And when it's time for the pruning to take place, I look at what has been pruned and say, it's ruined. It'll never 
grow back. But guess what? In time, in continuing to nurturing and staying on the source and remaining in deep, deep, deep fellowship with the vine, with the source, life begins to come again. In closing, I'm reminded of the story of Joseph and in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Genesis. Joseph, Joseph was a young man who had so much vision for his life. He was the 11th of 12 sons of his father. He was treated like a prince. He was giving, given a robe, a beautiful robe by his father. Joseph had a dream, and, and in the dream, he could see that God wanted to use him in greater ways even than he had used his parents, who were, who were amazing, amazing people. Joseph made the mistake of telling his family about this dream, that, he would one, that they would one day uh, be under, in some way, his leadership. You can imagine what happened, but then maybe you can't. His brothers were so jealous and so incensed with him thinking he was going to be all that, that they sold him into slavery. They trafficked him, basically. And in trafficking him, he was then put into a, a prison. A series of events happened in his life. And so for 22 years, after the point that he was sold, 22 years, he was separated from, from his family. He was wrongly accused. He was forgotten about. He didn't know, though, that God was preparing him. That God's dream that he had placed in him was simply in a period of preparation. Hear me. You might think like Joseph did that this is done. But in Genesis chapter 49, as his father, Joseph's father, was on his deathbed. He was blessing all of the sons. They, they had come back together. God had miraculous, miraculously taken Joseph out of prison and elevated him to one of the highest positions in the area where he, he, was, he was living. At his father's deathbed, he began, his father began to bless each one of those sons. And this is what he spoke over Joseph. He called Joseph this in verse 22. He called Joseph a fruitful vine. How did Joseph become a fruitful vine? 22 years of pruning. The verse goes on to say, verse 25, that he made the Lord his strength. When he was accused, how do you survive the pruning? When you're accused, when you're neglected, when you're forgotten, when you are overwhelmed, when it seems like there's no hope, stay fruitful. Joseph was promoted year after year, even though he was in prison. He became one of the most successful men in that region. Why? He stayed faithful to become fruitful. In the pruning, he was being prepared and then he remained faithful to God in the pruning. Be encouraged. 
Stand in your source, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Remain in intimate relationship with him. Bear fruit, the fruit that matters. And watch how God, the gardener, will build you into a faithful, fruitful vine. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for our time of just examination and impartation. And we give ourselves to you afresh and anew. Come on, just give yourself to the Lord afresh and anew. Maybe you hadn't had him as your source um, ever, or maybe you want to return to him as your source, the source of life, the source of hope, the source of strength, the source even of salvation. So, Lord, we return to you right now, and we ask that you would give us your heart for the lost, for the hurting, that we would be fruit to those around us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed with me and you, did, you have never known Jesus Christ as your, your Lord, your Savior, which is your source um, of life, that's what it would be known as that's what he would become his his hands are outstretched to you today and he would love to have relationship with you just like we talked about relationship today would you pray with me and just ask him to come into your life he would be your guide he would be your accountability he would be your savior to wash you from sin and to put you in right relationship with god just pray these these words to say, dear God, I need you. I want you. Forgive me for my sins. Accept me into your family. Amen. Amen. Well, you've just taken the first step of a wonderful journey. Right on the screen, there's going to be information for you to know what to do next. Please, please don't stop here take the next step. And you really want to understand what all of this means. I just gave you a little tiny uh, encouragement and information about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You have to know more. You don't want to stop there. Listen, have a wonderful week, everyone. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.